My name is Bobby. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to BS with Bobby and Sarah, our little podcast where each episode BS stands for something new as we discuss the world around us and then play a game involving trivia. (laughs) This is episode 41. Laughs and learning today. And if you don't care about our stories or the trivia facts, you can still listen to the show because it's better than hearing your dog disgustingly slop up their dinner, which is extra wet because you add water to the kibble because you don't want to hurt their little teeth seas from chewing all them crunchy cubes. <laughs> do you really do that to <laughs> Hannah? I do. Regardless, you know what? Today, BS is going to stand for beverage sipping because we are going to get wet and wild with a thirst for knowledge. Okay. I do feel thirsty to learn. Today, we're going to be talking about watery eggs, Snapple yeah. facts, curdling milk, but then also oh. some things unrelated to liquids like handsome cowboys, tug mm. of war, and banana stamps. So okay. stick banana around. Banana stamps. Man, I am intrigued. <laughs> I'd actually already planned to talk about the topic I'm going to share. But before I get into my rant, why don't you tell us about your BS, your brisk swim? <laughs> I'm house-sitting right now in Colorado still, and there is a lake called Estes Lake, I believe, um, which I've been wanting to swim in since I got here, which was two about two weeks ago. And finally, I went over there. It was warmish enough. It's been kind of rainy, so the, um, I've been, what's it called, sabotaged a few times by rain, just because what if it starts to thunder and lightning? Even though swimming in the rain is amazing. I love swimming in the rain, but not when there's lightning. Obviously. I don't want to have an attack in my heart either. (laughs) Hmm. Um, So I went in. It took me about 40 minutes to walk into like the water all the way in because it was so, so cold. And you're not even being hyperbolic. You're literally talking about like you look like a crazy person inching for three quarters of an hour. Exactly. I felt really, really stupid. But you were determined. I was determined. Exactly. I was like, I, I've been wanting to swim. I need to swim. I'm right here already. Like, just, just freaking do it. You know, it's going to be great and fun once you're in there. And for a frame of reference, we are in the middle of summer. So it's not as if Sarah's yes. trying to do like a polar plunge. Right. Exactly. Oh, no, 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 no. But yeah, this lake is, it, oh my gosh, it was freezing. So what made it so cold? Was it the recent rain? Is it like a super high elevation? I think it's the elevation from a glacier. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's just because it's like in the mountains, you know, it's like cold mountain water. Okay. I wish I had one of those like thermometers so I could have taken the temperature of it. But it was a beautiful swim and you felt reinvigorated. It was cold water immersion. I looked up the benefits of it because I was like, am I, is this a good thing? Like, (laughs) or am I damaging my cells or something like that? But no, on the contrary, it's actually really good for you. And people do cold water therapy on purpose often. It's really good for your blood circulation. It re-energizes you, which I can say that I had a lot of energy when I came back from that swim, like a lot. (laughs) And it starts to freeze your cells and it prevents the decomposition of your body, just like (laughs) freezing food. I get it. (laughs) I'm all for like preserving my body for a little longer. (laughs) I'm going to freeze myself cryogenically. Well, what I was going to relate to that is the fact that I, you know, the little mermaid. So try and follow where I'm going here. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen the little mermaid or if I did, I was super young. Okay. But what I remember is like everyone is scantily clad and like they're they have a bikini top or the guys are shirtless. Yeah. But for as far down as they live in the depths of the sea, mm-hmm. it'd actually be really cold. It would. Or chilly. It would be really cold. A lot it's of not pressure. Like, it's not like they're on the beach just 
hanging out in the sun. <laughs> but I was also thinking that would explain why King Triton's nips were always so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that's why the, the ladies had to use the very hard shells <laughs> for their <laughs> bras. <laughs> But swimming in the cold water is definitely going to be better than warm water. Because if you're thinking about it, don't go swimming anywhere in the American South. Because it's probably either full of alligators or <gasps> that brain-eating amoeba. Eh, uh, what? Neglaria fowlery. It's found in warm freshwater lakes and rivers. And like oh, every no. summer, you'll hear about someone getting this brain-eating amoeba because they went swimming in a freshwater lake down in the South. Oh my gosh, Bobby, why would you tell me that? I want to swim in the South. I'm telling you to prevent you from getting eaten or getting a brain amoeba. Although it is like incredibly rare. There's never been more than like eight cases reported in any year in the U.S. Okay. Okay. And mostly I like those it's odds. been boys between the ages of like 10 and 15 who got it. Okay. Okay. But then, but anyone can actually get it. Mm-hmm. So if you go swimming, don't like breathe in the water. Don't let it go up your nose. <laughs> okay. You just keep everything plugged. It's not going to go okay. there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so stick to cold waters. It's probably safer unless you like freeze okay. and then drown. But you know what? In this, in in warm water in the south, if it's not the amoebas, it's the gators that'll get you. Gators, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh and my like, goodness. Like Shania Twain saying, they're gonna get you good. <laughs> my BFF is went to uh, New Orleans a couple weeks ago, and uh, she was posting on her instagram stories like the the, from a swamp tour they went on and there were gators just like randomly hanging around i would be freaking out i'm terrified of alligators they move so fast you think they're oh my goodness not that agile quick agile yes i mean they're not that agile but they are they're apex predators that have survived for like 400 million years unchanged exactly exactly it's like they're doing something right (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's like all swamps are they're just full of gators Nice product. Sarah, now that you've just moved to Colorado, you've been there for a bit. Have you happened to notice if people call it pop or soda out there? I have not. I have not really been to restaurants yet. Which one do you think it would be? In Colorado, I think it would be soda. Okay. I'm definitely a pop boy. And I call it either pop or soda, just depending on the day, I guess. Well, that's fucking random, and I don't understand it. But it's ironic that people in the Midwest call it pop because I think soda actually sounds better with a Midwestern accent. Like, oh, hi, Betty, can I get a cherry soda? (laughs) It does sound better. (laughs) But I uh, stumbled across this map showing the regional differences for, Mm -hmm. like, preferred usage for words. Yeah, because Chicago and saying pop is not pretty pop. Pop. (laughs) Pop. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you that for the most part, the Northeast, California, Florida, and then randomly St. Louis area. Okay. That's where they call soda. Pop. No, that's where they call it soda. Oh, that's where they call it soda. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that's where they call soda. No, that's where they call it soda. And the Midwest and the Mm -hmm. Northern states, like all the way to the Pacific. So we're talking like the Dakotas, Montana, Idaho. Washington. Ooh, Washington. Yeah. They're the ones who are calling it pop. Okay. And then you got the Southerners who are just doing their own thing, literally calling everything Coke. <laughs> oh, that's right. Just give me a Coke. Yeah, which kind? Uh, Sprite. <laughs> that's crazy. 
<laughs> and if you happen to be one of the people who call it soda pop, chances are you're like 90 years old. You remember when it cost two cents and there used to be literal cocaine in Coca-Cola. Oh my goodness. That, those were the good days. Good old days. I'm thinking that the reason that I say either pop or soda, just depending on the whim, um, is a, a multi, what's, what's it called? The la- a language thing. Because we grew up like speaking Spanish at home. So I didn't, I, I heard both of them like in school. So I think that's why none of them really stuck as one way to say it in my house. But they don't say, do you say pop or soda in Spanish? No, you say refresco. I know. So why does being bilingual? Because I didn't grow up hearing it one specific way. Like you heard, you grew up in your family. What did you call it? Pop. But you're saying in your family, you, you said refrescos. Yes. So then, like when we went hearing... to school, we heard it all different kinds of ways. We've heard, I heard soda pop. I heard soda. I heard pop. I heard colas even too. Oh my God. So multicultural your school. Yeah. <laughs> At least the, the early ones, like the Catholic school I went to was very diverse in the city. Well, I love pop, but it's horrible. So we should all be drinking more water. Very true. Very true. Nice product. Eggs are something I like to keep in the fridge in case I need them for baking a boxed cake mix or brownie mix, which is something I'll do once a year. Mm, Or maybe I'll make an omelet. So I'll rarely use them. But when I do, they're probably old. Do you happen to know the trick to how to tell if an egg is good or if it's spoiled? I do happen to know that. And I don't remember where I saw it, but I think you you crack one open in water and see if it floats. Oh, not in water. You don't crack it in water. No? What do you No, because then you then? literally have like a, a mushy, like you have a random floating egg yolk oh. in water and then you scoop it out. I see. Okay, so. You're on the right track. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Take more it again. of like the. <laughs> so if you don't crack it open and put it in a bowl of water, you literally you crack just. crack it right in the pan? No, because then by then, how are you going to know? Well, how do you, how do you know? How they yeah, can so know they're not you were, you were close. You just put the egg in a bowl of water. Oh. If it's fresh, it sinks. If it stands up, it's not as fresh, but it's still good. And if the egg completely floats to the top, it's no longer good. Oh, gross. Will the real fresh egg please stand up? Please and stand up. <laughs> the reasoning is the fact that fresh eggs are dense. And they sink, mm. but as the egg starts to get old, it decomposes. And, you know, oh, it's like that's re- so gross. releasing gases. And yeah. since an eggshell is porous, gases escape, making the oh, egg lighter. That If makes it's sense. decomposed so much that there's so much gas released, it's way too old. It's going <laughs> to float. No one likes a floater. No. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> so get them unused cool. eggs, turn on an episode of GBBO, Great British Bake Off, and get to using those chicken butt orbs. Yes. <laughs> also, did you know that outside orbs. of America, they don't refrigerate their eggs? Like, yes, I did know crazy. that. Actually, there's a couple of farms here in, in Colorado that uh, I went to an Airbnb once, and they had, like, they, it was a little farm. And they had like a bowl out for their guests to use and it was full of eggs. Yeah. And it's because in America, we wash the eggs and Mm -hmm. that removes like a protective coating. And so then after washing and cleaning it, they need to be cold. Whereas the rest of the world, they don't wash the eggs before selling them. So you could just keep them out because it already has like an extra protective layering. It's crazy. I, I, I think that's pretty cool. And now you know if your eggs are good or not, all thanks to water. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Agua. And hey, I have a tidbit about egg salad. 
Did you know that egg salad is still chicken salad when you think about it? Oh, that is a good shower thought. It is. It kind of blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that for the Twitter. Next product. Sarah, I have a hot take. On? Straws are totally unnecessary for just about 99% of drinks. Okay, yeah. I would agree. And I know people are like, oh, straws, yeah, reducing straws like a good thing but at the same time it's so minimal compared to every all the other plastic usage yes mm-hmm. any little bit helps and plus but, like a lot of a uh, uh like the a disabled community or differently abled community i yeah i'm the only thing i can think of that you need it for a straw for is like a milkshake but even then you could always <laughs> use a spoon yeah yeah or wait till it gets a little bit melty at the top I love a little bit melty. In your cars, just either don't drink in your car. You don't need it for the convenience and luxury of just being able to drink while you're driving. So right. sip instead of suck. <laughs> BS stands for, uh, no, it doesn't stand for anything. That's our <laughs> motto. Bobby, BS with Bobby and Sarah. Sip instead of suck. <laughs> I like it. Sip instead of suck. I think straws are obviously very helpful for like the um, differently abled when you can't, you know, really pick it up to drink every time or whatever yes very Um, good that's a good point mm able-bodied people don't need straws if you are disabled then yeah some of them absolutely need it Mm -hmm. yeah and i found these really cool straws in the camping section they actually they're like like a pretty thick silicone and they open up so you can wash the inside really easy how are how do they open up it's kind of like folded into itself like long ways I'll have to send you a picture so we can put it on the on the Instagram. Yeah, it'll be on the Instagram because right now I'm trying to think like a hot dog bun that's split down the middle and you pry it open. But then how yes. does it, so then how like does it close back up for suction? Is there Velcro? Is, do you have straws with Velcro? <laughs> can you imagine how disgusting that would get and moldy? <laughs> I mean, try and explain because that's what I'm still thinking. It's kind of like a hook in a way. It, it like hooks onto itself, but like the hook is obviously all along the side and then it almost like even doubles up a little bit so it doesn't so like the air doesn't get through when you're trying to sip from it okay and how i should say (laughs) how thick is the hole in this straw it's pretty big like you could definitely do um a milkshake through it or a a, maybe not a boba Boba, it's like slightly smaller than pearl of tapioca (laughs) yeah but if they made them a little bit just a little bit bigger you could but they're they're pretty great so far if you want to use a straw, you've got the silicone ones. Like for driving, it really is convenient. Actually, no, honestly, sipping and sucking, like you said. Sip instead of suck. But you know what? On the topic of sucking, tisk tisk BS is going to stand for bad snapple. Why bad snapple? Have you seen that they've changed gl- the glass bottles? To plastic ones? That yeah. used to be wrapped in cardboard to plastic bottles wrapped in plastic. Like mm-hmm. Snapple, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, definitely <laughs> going the wrong way. I haven't bought Snapple in forever, especially, I think it was when they started doing that because I grabbed the, the, the can, the bottle, and I squeezed it and I was like, whoa, what the heck? And I remember being upset and being just like, this is, why, why? Not only that, but they changed up the logo and it, it looks weird and it, it looks too modern. Like they're, mm. they're trying too hard, so calm yeah. down. <laughs> but you know i hadn't i have i also haven't bought one uh since they changed to plastic but then again i haven't bought one in years before either and i'm very late to the game because i read an article about this and it was from 2018 about the change really well, <laughs> however i did see today at the green grocers <laughs> that the green grocers the green grocers the grocery store 
Oh, there okay. were some old-fashioned glass bottles in the cardboard available next to like the plastic and plastic. For some reason, they're offering up both. Or maybe it was stock from years ago. I don't know. <laughs> Old facts. <laughs> But the reason I brought that up is because it's going to help segue into the game because we're going to be discussing some Snapple facts. Ooh, yay. Okay. It is time for the game. Awesome. I've got nine questions, but only this first one is about music. Okay. This is episode 41. So immediately what came to mind was the punk pop band of the early 2000s. Some 41? Exactly. Some 41. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I could not have named a single song they had, yet listening back to their top hits was definitely a huge rush of nostalgia. Ooh, okay. Where are some And I songs? can't sing them for you because, like, as we've discussed and heard on this episode, my singing is so spot on, we would get flagged. They'd think it was the actual song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Self-preservation. <laughs> Question number one, though. How did the band Sum 41 get its name? Here are your four options. It was the punk response to the Three Musketeers quote, one for all and all for one, which they okay. changed to some for one and one for some. Oh, okay. Or was it the fact that the band was originally called Casper, but after their first paying gig, they made $41? <laughs> okay. Was it from the fact that the band was formed on their 41st day of summer break from school? Or was some 41 named because during a session of the game Ouija... They asked who was there, and the response was a random jumble of letters and numbers, S-U-M-4-1. Huh. How did Sum 41 get its name? Okay, so I can totally picture this gang of, of children um, playing a Ouija board. I don't think it's the summer one, just because I don't think I'd be sharing that story. It sounds a little bit lame. <laughs> um, the $41... That one actually makes a little bit of sense, but I just really want it to be the Musketeer ones because that is pretty cool and creative. And pretty punk. Yeah, pretty dang punk. Dang it, dang it, dang it. I'm going to go with my, the punk one, punk quote. Because you said it was the most creative. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take credit for that. Thank you very much. You just called me creative. <laughs> What? What? Oh, you made it up, didn't you? Sam? I made that up. I also made up the Ouija one. The band no! was originally called Casper. Sorry. However, it has nothing to do with $41. What? They were 16 years old when the band was formed on their oh. 41st day of summer break from school. Oh, my goodness. Well, if they were 16, no wonder they had a lame reason. Well, there you go. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Question number two. Which of these facts is BS? So a simple suss out the lie <laughs> suss it out <laughs> tug of war was an olympic sport until 1920 jousting is the official sport of maryland a day on venus is longer than a year on venus or the armenian alphabet only has 13 letters which of those is not true oh my goodness one day on venus is longer than a year on venus mm -hmm. that is what i said How is that even possible? The Earth spinning yeah. is spin so slow that it would oh. take longer than traveling around the sun. I, I know. It is okay. weird. It is weird to hear a day on Venus is longer than a year on Venus. Okay. 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 So it goes around so the sun fast, but it takes it a long time to spin the planet. so friggin' slow. Okay. Ooh. 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 Okay. So I feel like that might be true. Because um, it is closer to the sun, thus would probably travel around it faster. Um, jousting in Maryland. 
Okay. I feel like I remember seeing pictures of old-timey people in, like, really short shorts, like, on a beach with a big rope. But that could have just old been for time. fun. Old-timey people in shorts? That sounds like scandalous. pictures of... <laughs> I feel like people in the dead of summer still had, like, four layers on, full pants, a hat. Women had bonnets and bustiers and... Well, the women did, but not the dudes. I think I see them in really teeny tiny shorts. Those sluts. <laughs> Those sluts. And then the Armenian. I'm going to go with the Armenian alphabet having 13 letters. I think that's what is not true. Tug of war was an Olympic sport from 1900 to 1920. That is true. Great Britain medaled every year. Only seven countries ever competed. And the USA scored one of each. <laughs> a day on Venus is longer than a year on Venus. Sweet. Oh my that gosh, I love that. Turns so slowly. Um Jousting, no, it's not sixteen sixty two. However, in nineteen sixty two, jousting was made the official sport of Maryland. Oh, oh my gosh, I think I'm Which right. means the Armenian alphabet only having thirteen letters is fake. They have thirty eight letters. Whoa. It's actually Hawaii that has thirteen letters. Oh, one of them the being the Okina, which is the apostrophe that's like turned on its head. Yes. And that's due to the fact that words with different meanings are spelled alike. Okay. So they've got to use a glottal stop to differentiate. Whoa. So it's that's like the so difference cool. between Hawaii and Hawaii. Neato. Like there's an, there's an Okina in there. Okina. I like that. I love the sound of their language. I don't think I've ever seen Hawaii pop up in our statistics, so I don't even feel the need to apologize for butchering that pronunciation because they're <laughs> never going to know. Well, now that you mentioned it, they're going to be like, oh, what's this? They're talking about Hawaii. <laughs> Question number three. Way back in episode number three, the game was about collective names for animal groups. Yeah. A lot of fun, some ridiculous, fun very random. Do you remember any? I think I remember a bloat. Or a float for hippopotamuses? Yeah, a bloat or a float of hippopotamuses. Mm-hmm. Or a flamboyance of flamingos, for instance. <laughs> a group of jellyfish can go by a few different names. Of the following five options, pick out all of them which can be used to describe a group of jellyfish. Okay, all right. Bloom, smack, swarm, tangle, revolution. Pick out every single one of those that can be used to describe a group of jellyfish. Bloom, smack, swarm, tangle, or revolution? Revolution. I'm ready for the revolution. Um, I'm going to say bloom. Sounds awesome because they they look like flowers sometimes. Um, I would say a swarm, kind of like a bees. A tangle, that would make sense because of all their... uh, Jingly points. Wait. They're jingly points. Yes, of course. The tentacles. <laughs> that's the, Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> smack. Talking smack. Or revolution. I don't, man. I think I'm just going to say those three. Okay. Bloom, swarm, and tangle. Yeah. A bloom of jellyfish is correct. It's when there's a <gasps> sudden increase in population. Ooh, okay. A swarm is correct. Yes. And a tangle is not correct. <gasps> Did you make that up? I made that one up. Oh, because you know it made sense. <laughs> smack is like kind of true. It's an imaginative one that I think some writers came up with solely for like the silly fun invention. I don't think <laughs> any jellyfish experts actually called them smacks. I think mm-hmm. they call them blooms and swarms. Okay. 
Revolution is also fake. I made that one up. For some reason, I was thinking like they, they're like spinning round and round. Oh, so a bunch of them. okay, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it did throw me off. Because I was like, off that much. it's one of those things that it's it sounds so off that it could be, you know. That's like, oh, that's a trick one. That's a tricky one. Yeah, yeah. Keeping on with the animals. Question four: All mammals produce milk, but only one animal's milk does not curdle. Oh, Sarah, which animal's milk doesn't curdle? Camel, platypus, human, or naked mole rat? Oh my goodness! Well, I have seen my fair share of human milk can't say i've seen milk of any of these other creatures (laughs) which one doesn't curdle i i think i'm gonna go towards the platypus because they're water animals i feel like there would be just something different there although a camel is in really 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 hot weather so it would have to like have milk that sustains is able to yeah to live in that really hot temperature that's mm-hmm. also within a really hot body. Okay, okay. Dang it. Oh, man. And a naked mole rat, that's just so random. It's so little. Like, it's teeny tiny little milk. Maybe it doesn't have the space to curdle. Well, it wouldn't be curdling inside the body. Oh, that's true. <laughs> ew, mm. ew, 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 ew. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the camel, just because of the whole heat index thing. Fantastic logic. That's correct. Oh, Is it because of that? Because they, they're in hot weather or temperatures? The article I read about it doesn't specifically mention the hot weather, but I like your logic. That's what I was thinking, too. Okay. Camels produce highly diluted milk containing over 90% water, Ooh. and it's because of the structure of the protein in camel milk, which is different from you know, all the other ones, cows and goats. Yeah. Uh, the milk does not curdle naturally, and Ooh. it won't coagulate as that's, easily either. That's really fascinating. So you really couldn't have like a camel cheese or camel you, you yogurt. You can, but you have to do a lot of other things to force it to curdle Oof. and coagulate. <laughs> Interesting. I love it. I like learning things. <laughs> and speaking about a lot of liquid, question number five, a 10-gallon hat holds how much liquid? Oh. Is it not even a gallon? Is it just over 2.5 gallons, which is 10 liters? Or... Does it hold exactly 10 gallons? Mm, I'm going to go with, because I've worn a cowboy hat before. Probably not a 10-gallon one. I, I'm gonna, I'm still going to go with um, not even a gallon, the first one. What type of cowboy hat are you wearing if it's not a 10-gallon, girl? <laughs> I don't know. Just those flimsy little, you know. Ones made of straw that you get at the fair? Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. At the county fair? <laughs> yes. That is correct. A 10-gallon hat yes. only holds about... 0.75 of a gallon, which is Ooh. three quarts. All right. So you're probably asking yourself, well, where does 10 gallon come from? Yeah. Why does it call it? Yeah. Well, buckle up, Bronco. <laughs> buckle up to your Bronco because I'm about to give you the answer. <laughs> okay. Galon, G-A-L-O-N, refers to a braided hat band that was popular among Mexican vaqueros or cowboys okay, yeah. in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So these Texas ranchers would see Mexican vaqueros who sported them, mm-hmm. and they're calling it a galon, 10-gallon hat, which would indicate a hat with a tall enough crown to display like 10 of these braided ribbons, Oh, okay. which were used as like decoration or badges. So then mm-hmm. the American cowboys, once again, they take whatever they want. So they <laughs> anglicize the word to gallon, oh. and then they started to refer to their own headgear as 10-gallon hat because it could feature so many of these braids. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
There's another theory, however, though, that it's based on the Spanish phrase tan galán. Tan galán, which would translate to what? Well, un galán is kind of like a handsome guy or... Yeah, uh, so like a a very gallant or brave or really handsome dude. Mm -hmm. Brave, heroic, respectful to women, which may have been used to describe like the image of a hat-wearing cowboy in the saddle. Ooh, well, I like all of this. (laughs) I was going to say... I would also like it if it was cowboys calling other cowboys gallant and handsome. Oh, yeah. But in a hetero way, not in a not not in that <laughs> broke back mountain cowboy gay kind of way. <laughs> just two hetero cowboys complimenting each other. Exactly, it's just broing out. So now you know a ten gallon hat has nothing to do with holding water. Nope. And you know, I've I've wondered that before. Been like, why, why? But then, like, I move on to other thoughts in my brain. But yes. And now you know the answer because if you think about a gallon of milk, yeah, ten of those combined, no on way. top of your head, There's that would no be way. huge. That would be bigger than the Pharrell hat that one year he wore <laughs> it, to that one show. <laughs> His epic giant hats. It'd have to be callback to the episode where we talked about where they put the hat on top of the Eiffel Tower that they the created just to make it taller. <laughs> at BS with BS podcast for Instagram for pictures of that Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. And question number six. Back in episode eight, the game was all about different types of phobias. Oh, yeah. Has nothing to do with liquid. I don't even know how I came across this, but <laughs> cheerophobia is the fear of what? Is it cherries, happiness, or salamanders? Is this really even a thing? C H E R O phobia. Like, I think I would say cherries but but then the whole water thing salamanders no this has oh actually sorry it's unrelated to liquid like oh okay i think at the beginning of the question i'm like i don't know why i came up with this i'll Mm -hmm. just tell you that so it doesn't cloud your thinking gotcha okay either way like but what how how could anyone be afraid of happiness i wonder hmm that's really weird okay i'm gonna go with this with with happiness just because it sounds crazy and I want to know what's up. The fear of cherries is called carassophobia. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then... There really is a fear of cherries. That's crazy. <laughs> the fear or dislike of amphibians is called batrachophobia, which means there is a fear of happiness, and that's called cherophobia. Oh, my God! Whoa! Cherophobia is a phobia where the personal has an irrational aversion to being happy, and it comes from the Greek word chero, which means to rejoice. And it's not like they're a sad person. Instead, Mm -hmm. they avoid activities that could lead to happiness or joy. Wow. I wonder if it's just because they're so afraid of losing it, not the actual happiness. Some symptoms could include experiencing anxiety at the thought of going to a joyful social gathering like a party. Okay. Which is me, first (laughs) of all. Uh, Refusal to participate in activities that that most people would call fun. Okay. Which is me at bowling because <laughs> I'm horrible and I don't like to foul so visibly in front of strangers. <laughs> um, rejecting opportunities that could lead to positive life changes due to fear that something bad will follow. Wow. So some of the key thoughts of someone with cheerophobia is being happy will mean something bad will happen to me. Okay. All right. Or happiness makes you a bad or worse person or showing you're happy is bad for you. Or your family or friends. Damn. Or like disasters often follow good fortune. Oh my goodness. And like you did mention, 
they prefer not to be joyful because usually joy is followed by sadness. Whoa. So. Very psychological. Literally is a fear of everything. Wow. Um, I thought it was going to be too obvious if I included the option for chairophobia to be the fear of chairs. (laughs) There is even such a thing of that. Not only of chairs, but of furniture. (laughs) If you You want to hear more, go back to episode number eight because we go through a bunch of them there as well yeah that was a fun episode too you know you'd think i would have fear of fear of chairs since i've sat in one and broke it like completely like like from out of a cartoon i sat in this one chair and then it just like the the legs went out from underneath was it a plastic one at like a backyard barbecue oh no this was like a full-on dining chair but the thing is that it was used it was at my sister's house and the the screws had been loose and so like Every once in a while, you have to remember to, like, tighten them up. <laughs> yeah, so it's your sister's fault for letting that chair fall into yeah, disrepair. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right, so you're afraid of being happy, so being angry is safe, right? No. <laughs> Question number seven. In episode 39, we spoke about the angry Norwegian baby stamp that I got <laughs> <Yes>. in the mail. Yes. thing was crazy looking. Which country once issued a stamp shaped like a banana? Oh, that's why you said banana stamps. Okay. Yeah. Which country? Was it Yugoslavia, Djibouti, <laughs> Panama, or Tonga? Where is Tonga? Tonga is a Pacific island in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a, a banana-shaped stamp? Yeah, it was a, uh, a stamp that you could put... On a piece of mail, mm-hmm. there's a banana. <laughs> Shaped like a banana. It's got a picture of a banana. It's yellow like a banana. This sounds great. I feel like I feel like Panama would have that kind of humor or sense of awesome funness. But then I've never even heard of this other place, so I kind of want to go of, with that. What? Yugoslavia? Tonga? Chibu- no, You've never heard Tonga. of Tonga? No. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I guess you're not watching the Olympics because there was a, like for the past few Olympics, because there's this Tongan dude oh. who wears like traditional garb in the... Uh, the parade of the ceremonies he is literally shirtless and baby oiled up (laughs) and the thing is he okay so he did it in the summer games in rio 2016 okay he then went to the winter olympics for tonga for like skiing or something same guy he once again walks out shirtless covered in baby oil in like the winter (laughs) what's his bottom situation he's wearing like a grass skirt oh i don't know if goodness. he's wearing anything under it this sounds great i gotta youtube this so you're going for tonga because you've never heard of it no i'm 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 saying i think panama would be would do this but then tonga i'm just thinking you know bananas they'd have to be pretty prevalent in the in these areas in these countries i, I think i'm gonna go with panama even though i almost kind of want to go with tonga just because i haven't heard of that before but that's not a good reason. <laughs> okay. So your answer is Panama. So Panama. Mm-hmm. All right. So you don't think that Yugoslavia is a huge exporter of bananas? I don't think so. No. They're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I included Djibouti just because I wanted to say Djibouti. Djibouti. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Panama was the trick. It is Tonga. <gasps> Tonga. Oh, man. I talked myself out of that. In the late 1960s, early 1970s. They had a they had a banana stamp. It's awesome. I love it. It's yeah. so it's just fun and creative. It and is. it was actually one of the first self-adhesive stamps. 
Ooh. Way back then. I mean, this country you've never heard of. And nice. they, they weren't even licking their stamps. <laughs> they were so advanced. <laughs> Must be all the fruit. Fun fact about bananas. A cluster of bananas is called a hand. Yeah. Usually consisting from like 10 to 20 bananas, which are known as fingers. Cool. So, I mean, it makes sense. I was going to you say cool. I was going to say, if you want some nightmares for, about that tonight, like <laughs> banana fingers. <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's it, it just wasn't as shocking to me because in in spanish we call it a mano you know a hand so okay. it's like very so we very familiar with that concept of calling a bunch of bananas a, a, a hand you know and and then it's dedo yeah but that part i didn't know <laughs> it makes sense but i didn't know that <laughs> all right and back to bs bad snapple question number eight which of these facts on a Snapple cap has been proven wrong? Oh. A duck's quack doesn't echo. A mosquito has 47 teeth. Pennsylvania is misspelled on the Liberty Bell. <laughs> Which one of these Snapple facts has been proven wrong? A duck's quack doesn't echo. Why? Because anything that makes a sound, if you put it in a place that is going to rever- reverberate those vibrations, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do it. I mean, yeah, exactly. Even the TV show Mythbusters investigated it and shows that it does quack. So you are right. Yay. That has been debunked. A duck's quack does echo. That's awesome. And I think I want to find this episode because that sounds adorable. Did they take an actual duck and put it in like a cavernous area? I have no fucking idea. They probably put it in like a cave. <laughs> Here you go, duck. <laughs> uh, but Sarah, there were more. Oh. A mosquito doesn't have 47 teeth. It's a serrated proboscis, which is like a long sucking mouth part that's basically a tube. <laughs> sucking mouth part. <laughs> so it's not that they have teeth. It's a proboscis. So that is oh. wrong. That was also proven wrong. So Snapple is lying to us. <gasps> so now we can't trust it. Also, the last one was also kind of wrong. Ooh. They said Pennsylvania is misspelled on the Liberty Bell. Yeah. That's technically true because it was spelled P-E-N-S-Y-L-V-A-N-I-A with only one N for oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. It's also oh. spelled that way on the Constitution, and that is because in the 18th century, that was an accepted spelling. Right. So it's true that Pennsylvania is spelled with only one N on the Liberty Bell, Whoa. but it's not misspelled because that was acceptable. Basically, all I'm saying is if you read a Snapple fact, don't trust it completely. Do your own research, because sometimes the bad Snapple facts uh, are just that BS. Yeah, and then you don't want to go pulling out these little tidbits and then sounding like a boob, like an idiot. Fantastic job at today's game, Sarah. That's like the best I've done in a game in a really long time. It absolutely is. Some questions had multiple points. I will tell you, you got seven points from eight questions. Oh my goodness. Man, maybe the altitude over here is helping my brain. <laughs> there were 11 points up for grab and you nabbed seven of them. Woohoo! But you know what? Seven points on eight questions sounds better. So we're going to go with that for the official scoreline. Aw, <laughs> <Aww>, thanks. <laughs> Listeners, I hoped you enjoyed that game. I, you know what? I bet none of you did as well as Sarah. I'm just, <gasps> I'm going to go out and say it. Ooh. Sarah did better than you. Oh my god that's the words that have never been uttered <laughs> if i am wrong please tweet or message me and sarah on instagram at bs with bs podcast let us know thank you for joining us on this thirst for knowledge in this episode yeah. so many facts 
And if you wanted to see a picture of the banana stamp or the angry baby stamp, absolutely go to our Instagram right now. I want to see the banana bad. The banana bad. (laughs) The banana stamp really bad. I want to see that banana bad. (laughs) Real bad. Just want to say thank you to the listeners for tuning in and for keep on coming back and share this episode with a friend. Yeah, we never tell people to do that. Tell your friend, you know, if they want to learn about hot, uncurdled liquids. (laughs) Yeah, everyone has a friend that's like, that goes to trivia nights and does all those all the trivia stuff. So share it to that friend and be like, I'll bet you there's at least one thing in this episode that you didn't know already. I'm sorry to any of our listeners that might suffer from cherophobia because we had a lot of fun today. And you yeah. know what? That's okay. You're allowed to. Nothing bad's <laughs> going to happen from you enjoying this show, I promise. On that note, my name's Bobby. And I'm Sarah. And this has been some BS.